Welcome to this episode of our new AWS podcast series, Innovation Ambassadors. I'm Sarah Armstrong, and as Senior Manager for Worldwide Prototyping at AWS, I'll act as your ambassador to some of the most interesting engagements with our AWS prototyping teams. On this episode of Innovation Ambassadors, we're showcasing the journey of MUFG Investor Services, one of the world's leading financial groups, and their work with our Global Financial Services prototyping team. We'll learn how MUFG are exploring how to leverage the power of natural language processing to automate labor-intensive document extraction processes to increase their business agility, reduce errors, and better serve their customers. Joining us from MUFG are Evangelos Skianis, Chief Technology Officer at MUFG Investor Services. Thanks so much for being with us, Evangelos. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. And also from MUFG, we have Vasily Sotiris, Head of Data Engineering and Strategy. Welcome, Vasily. Thank you, Sarah. I'm glad to be here. From AWS, John Dixon, our Senior Solutions Architect with our Global Financial Services prototyping team is here with us as well. Thanks, John. Thanks, Sarah. Great to be with you. So, Evangelos, most of our listeners will likely have heard of MUFG, right? But can you share a little bit about the vision that you have for MUFG investor services? Yeah, sure. So our, our vision is is simple. We want to be the most trusted and professional investor services firm out there with our main focus on building long-lasting, sustainable partnerships with our vendors, with our clients, with every party that we work with. Tell us a little bit about the rhythm of the business. What are your challenges that you're having? I understand you have a lot of documents that you're processing. Our core business is the what we call fund administration, right? So we do have adjacent services around that as well. But if we're talking about what it's within our core, we, you know, a lot of fund managers, they will use us as their fund administrator, right? So they can separate the investment side versus, you know, the, the back office. So when you're part of that back office function for those type of funds, you work with a lot of third parties. One of those would be the fund manager themselves, but you have investors, you have brokers and you know different parties that you work with on, on a daily basis. Because we are part of a process, we do tend to get a lot of documents from investors, from vendors, from brokers as well. A lot of times those documents will be unstructured. They will be in PDF format, but you know, there's not a, not a standard out there where it defines you know, how an invoice looks, right? Or how a financial statement looks. The data points are the same, but the way they're laid out in the document, they're, they're different. So that's one of the challenges in this industry is how you can extract those data points and fit them into your downstream systems. You can apply templates, but you know, documents change, things break down, and you do have a team that constantly improves those type of templates and you know they fix them all the time. But you know, looking at NLP uh, and those types of you know technologies out there, we we want to see how we can improve that process. And Vasily, your data strategy team works on a platform to make this easier? The focus of my team is building out a common data platform. So it's an effort, as you may have heard many times, to democratize the data for the organization, as well as enrich the data. And a part of the enrichment process, if you will, uh, includes both analytical and machine learning type of solutions, which, of course, also includes natural language processing type of work, especially given 
You know, what Evangelos just said, uh, a lot of our data sits in the form of documents, PDF, words, what have you. As part of this enrichment process, as part of in, uh, using natural language processing, we're looking to intelligently process the documents and extract information out of them, right? Uh, such that we don't need to have a human in the process. That's the key. And Evangelos, how did you come to work with the AWS team and John? We've been, you know, working with AWS for some time now, right? So we've been, you know, having some production workloads on that environment. And we do have an account manager in the financial services area within AWS, right? When we thought about, you know, this uh, project that or the POC that we wanted to start, we reached out to our account managers over there. And that's how we are able to, you know, lay out our requirements, what we wanted to accomplish. And then they've introduced us to John and the prototyping team. And then we directly connected with John and then we took it over together. And then we started, you know, setting up calls and sprints. So that's how we got to work with John and the team. Tell us a little bit about those very high level success criteria. What were you really looking to achieve here? We wanted to start from a simple use case first and, you know, work our way to a little bit more complex and more complex cases. We wanted to start initially from invoice processing. It's a document type that, you know, everybody can understand. So it's an invoice. What are other things you want to take out, right? Uh, so that, that was important. And then we've also setting up, you know, our success criteria was the named entity recognition, right? And how confident the, the models are to extract that data out for you, right? And put those into, you know, your, your labels or into a database. So we've put those success criteria, what we felt would be important for us in terms of the extraction. We've laid out those requirements to John. We've put a few simple use cases in and setting up those spikes, which were very important in this process, in order to iterate quickly, get a rapid feedback cycles, so we could understand how the, what the capabilities of the text extract and comprehend and those type of services which are part of the machine learning services that AWS has. All right, John, so take us from there. You have these high-level requirements, you have some structured and semi-structured documents that you're going to try to wrangle here. Take us through the process. Like many Agile and, and Scrum projects, we understood the requirements in terms of user stories and coordinated on, on and hitting the right uh, the target there in terms of satisfying the requirements. And then really decompose those stories further into uh, plan four sprints, right? And I, I think um, Evangelos mentioned something really important there is the, the feedback loop, a tight feedback loop. And we aim to present some new functionality after every two-week sprint and proceeding from the least complex use case, which is the invoices, to, to building complexity. I think that was really key to have that feedback loop that allowed us to do that. And is that iterative approach, Vasily, something that you do in your own teams? Yeah, absolutely. Start small, uh, get a directional sense of uh, what's possible. You mentioned the platform that you build. Is it important to you to lay that foundation, not only for the use cases that the specific document types that you're going to try to address in this prototype, but also to lay the foundation for a broader system. The question, I suppose, is how how does uh, how do how do these solutions generalize to different document types? Absolutely, and that's a I, that that is an important criteria in terms of productionalizing a solution like this. Of course, the work we did with John was a, a proof of concept around you know what is the efficacy of natural language processing to extract entities of interest, named entity recognition. So it was more on the method, understanding that methodologically these things work, 
right? Productionalizing is is a slightly different flavor, and, and it involves you know being able to generalize to different document types. So you we have a solution on on invoices, so that's great. What if I now need to process trade calls or subscription documents or any any other document? How how can I use the same production pipeline on a different document type? So John, take us through some of the technology. What were some of the approaches that you used at the core? We used Textract, Comprehend, Lambda, and S3, all AWS services, as you know. And we started in a, an event-driven serverless application uh, model. We, we used this tool uh, from the, the, the start. And what this allowed us to do was have the luxury, I guess, of being in cloud, right? And we spent, uh, I'd say, less than a day in the entirety of the project on infrastructure management and configuration. So most of the time we spent every day uh, developing the solution was directly to affect the challenges we faced and and directly spoke to the use case. So this is a really important uh, facet of the technology we used in the project. Also allowed us to iterate and to experiment without having to spend time on infrastructure configuration or, or reconfiguration. So let's look at some of the the challenges um, with these document types. So you've got these invoices, and Evangelos, these are coming from a variety of different countries. They might have different formats, et cetera. They don't look the same, right? You don't have a standard format of those invoices coming in. Exactly. So the invoices we get there, the, the good thing is they're all in PDFs, right? So they're not images where it makes some things more challenging as well, especially with orientation and contrast and, and all that stuff. When you get a an invoice in, depending on where it's coming from, there are different ways that, for example, dates are presented, right? Or currencies or amounts are laid out. So those were the things that uh, we knew were a few of the challenges. And, you know, you still want to extract out of your pipeline Let's say if your date is in a specific format, you still want that specific format to be your extraction, right? Because that's actually what's, what the model is reading. It doesn't know that you know, it's coming from the UK or from the US. And that's where you get that data, and then you can pass them through Lambda functions, and you can then format them or build more data validation on that piece. So the NLP was always a piece of the puzzle, right? Uh, in terms of the process. So those we result by, you know, looking at very traditional ways of programming that, those, those things, right? You get the data and you pass them through a validation function or a formatting function, and, and that's how you start, you know, building your data. The important piece for us was to conform to a, a data format or an interface that will go to the downstream systems, right? So that could be, you know, we've done that in JSON, but other companies could use CSV or an API to push that data downstream. We decided to store that data into a JSON file, into an S3 bucket, because we wanted to still have that event-driven architecture as well. And Vasily, talk, if you can, a little bit about the challenges in documents like invoices that are sparse. Well, I was a little surprised or pleasantly surprised by the result of our POC with, with John and team in terms of performance of, of the model on invoices. And the reason I was a bit surprised is, is because invoices are contextually sparse. Typically, you expect uh, natural language processing models to perform better when there's context, when the entity you're looking for is surrounded by many other words that are in a sequence of interest. That's how natural language processing models learn. The backbone of which, you know, is around 
being able to disambiguate the semantics, understand the synonymity of the semantics. And once you've solved for that, then you can uh, do a better job at res resolving co-reference, resolving the named entity resolution that you're looking for. So I was pleasantly surprised because invoices are, are, don't have a lot of context. That speaks to the ability of AWS to leverage pre-trained models, if you will, uh, leverage the, the managed services, the tools and, and the, and the pre-trained models to, and bring that to the table. So, John, you know, we often talk about the challenges that we encounter and this iterative approach that you talked about is really lends itself to this notion of failing fast and being okay with failure or things uh, being hard or having to go in a different direction. Was there anything particularly challenging here or areas where things didn't go as planned? The invoices had some challenges and just in terms of something like an amount on an invoice, right? And could be in, of course, different currencies from around the world. And then things like even the label for that, that amount, right? It could show up on an invoice as total due or amount to be paid or monthly fees or something like this. And really, we're after the amount that needs to be paid back to the vendor. So we tackled that one actually with Comprehend and just through a series of, of spikes, you know, to correlate the entity on the document that was extracted from Textract to then equate that with uh, the entity we wanted to extract and put that in the right variable in a data structure, for example. But it's not until you really dig into that problem and, and see exactly what the processing steps are, are happening can you really appreciate uh, that's not actually not such a difficult problem as, as was we imagined initially. Evangelos, you were particularly worried, weren't you, about being able to get the context around checkboxes that were in these documents and, and what that meant. Yeah, we there's a, a document type that, you know, what we call subscription documents. That's when an investor, you know, subscribes uh, to a particular share class in, in, in the fund, right? So, you know, for Euro, for USD, depending on, on the fund itself. So those type of documents, these subscription documents are actually very complex documents. Uh, they include uh, a lot of fields. Uh, one of those fields there are checkboxes, right? Which is the share class that you would like to subscribe to? And there are other checkboxes as well. Yes and no answers, for example, as well. So we, we were uh, concerned about, you know, would an NLP uh, model being able to not just understand the context of the word, but what about the checkbox itself when you, you check the value, yes, that it would be able to give you that, right? And also the question next to that checkbox, right? Not just the yes, but the positive or the negative answer to that question sometimes. We, we all felt that would be challenging, but John and the team took that over. And, you know, within two weeks when we had our sprint review, they were able to find an AWS library that actually, you know, resolved that issue for us. And it was something we didn't expect, especially, you know, in two weeks to be resolved. But it's something that, you know, happened. We're like, you know, we are amazed. We're like, wow, this is too good to be true. But it did happen. And, you know, we, we felt that it was a very positive, uh, you know, outcome uh, for the specific document type. A particular challenge there, Sarah, was that uh, some of the checkboxes were were having a, a blank line and just a handwritten answer or handwritten response. So we tested that against uh, some of the data we had and some of the data that we just simulated and found that the model in Textract by default actually handles handwriting quite well. So we didn't have to do any kind of custom training of a model in SageMaker or something like this. We found that using the Textract default model in our pipeline and wrapped with some formatting and validation functions worked actually just fine for us. 
So it shows you some of the power of just using the default AWS services uh, oftentimes uh, deliver fantastic results. And Vasily, that context is so important, isn't it, in natural language processing, trying to detect you know, what the meaning is surrounding a particular entity, yeah. That's right, yeah. So, and that, and that again speaks to, I guess, why I was pleasantly surprised. We gave AWS roughly 70, 75 documents, uh, invoices, and that's by no means a large sample size to train a model on. So the fact that we got good results speaks to leveraging the managed services, which essentially from the training point of view, it means using the, the compute capabilities and also the enormous volume of training data that AWS could bring to the table to supply the backbone of, of, of the task at hand, which is the named entity recognition. That validated one of my beliefs that you do need uh, proper training for these natural language processing models. Evangelist, where are we now? We finished the proof of concept. We have sort of directional idea of where you want to go. What's uh, the next step for you? We decided to take this further, right, and, and move it into, into production. But we wanted to tackle a different document type, which are the capital call uh, statements for our uh, LP services business, which these are documents where any investor that invests into a private equity fund uh, they get notified by the fund itself when it's time for, for them to send capital over for, let's say, purchasing a, a private company. So we're going to start from that use case. We, we thought in terms of the value to the business, not only operationally, but also how that industry, especially the private equity business works, it would bring a lot of value also you know, on our business development teams. Now we, we started Building that event-driven architecture, we're taking the work that has been done by John. We're gonna uh, improve on that. We're gonna, you know, start thinking a little bit about, you know, configurations and document types and how we feed data in, right? How do we get that output and then we feed it to the downstream systems? We expect that sometime at the beginning of next year, we're gonna have that into our production, you know, environment. So, so that's the technical piece. But there's also, you know, as you have this technology shift that is happening around, you, we, we also see there's going to be a culture shift as well internally. So how do we make sure our people are comfortable with a new process? When do you have your own people becoming part of that human process? Because sometimes the documents will not be passed correctly and you need somebody to review and verify. You need to do sample checks. You need to retrain. There's a shift there, right, in the skills, but also, you know, the process itself. And this is also something that people should, you know, make sure they take it into account. And it sounds important as the technology piece. People shouldn't underestimate, you know, the, the culture shift. I hear that a lot from customers, that those come hand in hand, don't they? Well, thank you all so much for being here and sharing this journey with us today. Evangelist, what would you share with our listeners, the insights or uh, lessons that you got from this experience? It was important that, you know, we had to start from a, a simple use case, right? So if you start from a complex use case or a complex architecture, it will take time for you to understand what you can do with, especially the managed services space. So for us, starting simple was very important. Uh, we had to also make sure we had a good ground truth, right? So we have the invoices or the subdocs documents. We also had to create in parallel the data that we would expect to be extracted. So that was important as well. And being able to do these short bi-weekly sprint cycles and spikes allows you to see how things work and allow you to decide that doesn't work. Let's change direction, right? So that's important that you can get those the feedback loops are really important. So 
those three elements allowed us within, I would say, by the second sprint, let's say in a month, to know that you know we could actually tackle the invoice processing. So was that's really important that you can know relatively quickly that you can go ahead. How about you, Vasily? What were your lessons out of the experience? In addition to what I mentioned before around leveraging managed services, I would say if you don't have the data, don't try to build your own NLP. <laughs> I mean, as simple as that. If you have lots and lots of data, I think it's it makes it more cost effective. Uh, but otherwise, it's, it's an uphill battle. Great. How about you, John? Yeah, I think one of the big lessons learned for me is starting small and in, in with the least complex scenario and proceeding from there. But really uh, focusing on that least complex scenario first and, sh- and demonstrating some results rather than trying to design a system which can handle the most complex. Right? I think we started with uh, one day of user story uh, development and requirements and, and just from there proceeded to dive in to tackle the first use case. And the additional requirements exposed themselves right through uh, through the additional sprints. So I think that worked quite well for us given a very specific scope. Fantastic. Evangelos, Vasily, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your journey with our listeners today. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. All right, John, we'll talk later. Yep, thanks, Sarah. I'd like to thank our listeners for coming on today's journey with us. Innovation Ambassadors is a production of the AWS Media Series. Look for future episodes of our vodcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite streaming platform. If you have ideas for future episodes or comments on this one, send us a tweet at hashtag AWS Innovation Ambassadors and share your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.